2: You're listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com and like us on Facebook. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz podcast. I'm Ty Polk, joined as always by Chris Ward. We're excited for another preview episode, Steelers versus Cowboys. And Chris... As you know, we're recording this the day after Election Day. Hope you enjoyed your existential crisis, just like a lot of people around here. And, uh, Chris, how have you been surviving Election Day?
1: Oh, yeah, it was a pretty intense day for everyone yesterday. Uh, you just kind of could feel it in the air with uh, just how everybody's mood was. And you just like, you know, reading uh, tweets and just how interested in seeing what, what happened. Yeah,
2: and the Steelers, um, as we are recording this podcast, they are still... Counting votes in Allegheny County, and the Steelers uh, are feeding poll
1: workers. Yeah, it was reported today by uh, KDKA that the Steelers bought dinner for the Allegheny County election workers, which was just a great gesture by the Steelers organization. Because you know those workers there have been working a, a lot of hours. You know, I think I read that. Yeah, you know, they said they said that they've been working 22 straight hours, which is which is just insane. So, um, just just a classy uh, move by the Steelers organization.
2: And getting back in the football news, Stefan Tewitt was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week.
1: Yeah, Tewitt, you know, he had a dominating performance against the Ravens on Sunday with nine total tackles. Eight of those were uh, solos, uh, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, and three quarterback hits. It was another outstanding game by Tuit as he continues to wreak havoc uh, against opposing teams this year. Um, it's the second time Tewitt has received a Defense Player of the Week award in his career. Uh, the first time came in week 11 of the 2016 season against the Browns when he had five total tackles, four solos, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and four quarterback hits.
2: So hopefully we see more Steelers get Defensive Player of the Weeks and also add in to Defensive Player of the Month like T.J. Watt got last month.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just going to sit about with Tewitt. He's the fourth player from the Steelers to be honored for a, a league award this season. Uh, Chase Claypool is named AFC Offense Player of the Week for his four-touchdown performance against the Eagles in Week 5. T.J. Watt won AFC Defensive Player of the Week for his Week 2 performance against the Broncos. And as you mentioned, he was named AFC Defensive Player of the Month for September.
2: Well, it's awesome to see that the Steelers are continuing to show great excellence on the field. And Chris, Mike Tomlin has added another achievement to his future Hall of Fame career.
1: Yeah, with the win over the Ravens on Sunday, Mike Tomlin captured his... 140th career regular season win, breaking a tie with Tony Dungy for the most wins by Blackhead coach in NFL history. And, you know, an interesting storyline there is the fact that Tom was hired as the Buccaneers defensive backs coach in 2001 uh, during what would be Tony Dungy's last season in Tampa Bay. Tom was, has always spoke highly on Dungy. You know, he looks at, at him as his mentor. Obviously, he's probably really thankful for Dungy, um, you know, opening up the doors for him in the league and giving him so much knowledge in his early portion of his career.
2: And Chris, do you have any more news?
1: The Steelers are, are listed as 14-point favorites against the Cowboys on Sunday, according to oddshark.com. The Steelers have not been a double-digit favorite on the road since losing to the Raiders 24-21 to on December 9th 2018. The Steelers are 1-12 against the spread in that scenario going back to 1993. And uh, the Vegas line for the Steelers-Raiders game 2018 was 10.5 points. The over-under for Sunday Steelers-Cowboys game is 41.5 points. The Cowboys are 0-8 against the spread in their last eight games. And the Steelers are 5-0 against the spread in their last five games. And and all those statistics are on oddsharks.com.
2: Well, Steelers fans, go place your bets. Because it's going to be a fun one this week as we talk more about the Dallas Cowboys with our next guest. And we're glad to have on Kyle Yeomans, on-air host with the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Kyle, glad to have you on the show. Yeah, guys, absolutely. Anytime. Excited to talk about this matchup. I know you guys are probably a little bit more excited about your team right now. But, hey, we've got NFL football to talk about, and I'm thankful for that.
2: Please, it's the Dallas Cowboys, and plus, any time to beat up on you guys for 1996 is awesome for me, even though I was barely (laughs) alive.
0: (laughs) That's fair. I, I, I wasn't, so I'm right there with you, my friend. It's been a rough
2: year for the Cowboys, especially after the ankle injury to Dak Prescott. Only one touchdown in their last three games offensively. It reminds us of last year. With the Steelers, with Ben Roethlisberger's injury, what are the plans for the Cowboys? Are they still going to make a run at the division, or have they moved on to 2021?
0: You know, and it's kind of crazy because, of, of course, you look at it from a 2-6 and six record standpoint, and you think it would be crazy to make a run at the division, right? It would just be outlandish for a 2-6 team to just have confidence in the fact that they, they're going to still have a chance to win the division, but the, the fact of the matter is the NFC East has been so horrendous throughout the course of this, uh, this season so far that you have an opportunity to go make a run. You're only a game and a half back. You just played Philadelphia, who's the leader in the clubhouse right now, and you saw exactly the problems that Philly even brings to the table. Sure, the final score ended up being 23-9, excuse me, 23 to nine. But really, you were in that game all the way up until the very end. And, and I think even with the problems that you've had on offense, whether it be the offensive line or the quarterback situation, like you said, following the injury to Dak Prescott and the injury to Andy Dalton, I think you, you have a confidence level that even if you sneak out a couple wins here later on in the season, you're going to have an opportunity to make a run for a division title. And, and of course, the wild card's out of the question. You're going to have to win the division in order to make it into the playoffs. But I think they're still looking at it as an opportunity. Uh, They've got some tough games coming up that may decide their fate before they really get a chance to make a run at it. Of course, Pittsburgh this week. They've got the bye week, and then they play Minnesota uh, before taking on Washington and Baltimore. So you've got a couple tough games coming up here in the the third quarter of the season. And so you've got to have a a successful turnaround at some point. And if it doesn't come very soon, you're going to have some struggles. But I think right now the idea is to still make a run at that thing.
1: Yeah. And Kyle, we mentioned before, you know, we came on the podcast about how how many Pittsburgh ties there are with the Cowboys organization, Uh, you know, the head coach, Mike McCarthy's from Greenfield, uh, Sean Lee's from Upper St. Clair, Ben DiNucci's, uh, he went to Pine Ridge Island, and uh, assistant coaches uh, Jim Tomsula and Jeff Blasco uh, were from Ty's High School, uh, Steel Valley, uh, that's where, you know, our hometown listeners and everything, but uh, we want
0: to know, what's the organization's uh, thoughts on uh, McCarthy? Well, right now, it's it's tough, because, of, of course, with the COVID-19 offseason and, and kind of the <laughs> The struggling start that they've gotten off to, it's hard to really make a read on, on Mike McCarthy. And, of course, McCarthy continues to have his strong Pittsburgh ties, like you said, and, and he's never had a regular season win against the Steelers, his childhood favorite team growing up. And so, you know, he wants to show out this week specifically for that reason. I mean, I know his biggest win of his career did come against the Steelers in that Super Bowl, but – I mean Cowboys fans right now don't care about that. They don't care about the fact that he has that Super Bowl title <laughs> underneath his belt. Sure that was great in the hiring process, but it's a what have you done for me lately now kind of league and right now lately is 2 and 6. And I think right now the Cowboys are really trying to turn things around because they like their coaching staff, they like their personnel. They feel like they've kind of gotten the short end of the stick in terms of where those injuries have hit them and how they've adjusted throughout the course of the season. So I think they want to find a way to keep this core group together, especially underneath a first-year head coach. You want to find a way to develop and to to evolve. And right now it's been really tough to do both of those things with the situations that they've had so far. So, man, I'll tell you what, it's 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 a split field it's a split house right now with Dallas Cowboys Nation because uh, half of them are frustrated in the coaching and half of them understand the situation that's at hand but it's either way you got to find a way to win
2: and talking about the Nucci just made his first career start against the Eagles last week and I thought for a guy maybe it's a little bit of hometown bias but I thought for a guy that was just coming off the bench and probably the toughest situation you could ever have for a rookie quarterback he did Okay, and but there was also you know rumors of of Andy Dalton coming back, but now he's on the COVID 19 list. And now the reports are they're going to sign Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert as their quarterbacks on Sunday. Is this coming down to Rush and Gilbert being more experienced, or they didn't like what they saw out of Danucci?
0: I think it's a little bit of both because whenever you look at what Mike McCarthy said today, he expects Gilbert and Rush to have a better understanding of the NFL pace. And while actually both of those guys now have less career snaps than Ben DiNucci has because of Ben DiNucci's last game, DiNucci's the most experienced one in terms of the regular season. But the fact is, is that Gilbert's been in the league for almost 10 years. You have Cooper Rush, who's actually been with the Cowboys the majority of his career, and then... Did not He was the backup quarterback for Dak Prescott last year, did not re-sign, and uh, was picked up off of waivers. So he knows Kellen Moore's offense. He knows his way around this organization. So I think they're taking a chance on the fact of, of these two guys taking care of the football. And that's kind of what we had heard around the stars, that the frustration is in the turnovers. And while Ben DiNucci, sure, during his first start against Philadelphia last week, he had times where it absolutely looked like he had struggled to pick up the pace. He wasn't necessarily ready. It seemed like he struggled to, to find himself behind that struggling offensive line for the Cowboys against the stout Philly pass rush. And I think the turnovers were the things that that kind of continued uh, to, to overflow things for Ben DiNucci and to kind of cement his backup status. And, and I think they're hoping that – Cooper Rush and or Garrett Gilbert will find a way to hold on to the football a little bit better. We'll see if that's the case on Sunday against a team that definitely likes to take the football away from time to time. And so I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, you'll see those experienced guys do better than Ben DiNucci. Because like you said, there were goods and there were bads. But I think right now they just need to go with the experience.
2: Will we be seeing the double reverse again? (laughs)
0: i I don't know Uh, it didn't it didn't work very well i i the one where they did have the the double reverse that worked to cd lamb uh i mean sure you might want to throw that one back out there but i think uh i think last week whenever you saw cedric wilson get sacked twice a receiver getting sacked twice as an official stat just blows my mind even right now as we record this but Uh, I think they're going to be more careful and more conservative with their play calling. I can't say that for certain because, of course, the media unable to see that portion of practice looking at the play calling and and things involved there. But I think they're going to try and get Ezekiel Elliott going. I think they're going to at least try and get the ball into the receiver's hands on the outside, whether it be Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup or C.D. Lamb. But in terms of the trickery, I don't think it's off the table, but it might be on the back burner for now. And uh, Ezekiel
1: Elliott has struggled uh, this season by his standards You uh, know, rushing for 521 yards on 132 attempts and five touchdowns. You know, he's averaging, you know, only 3.9 uh, yards per carry. He hasn't rushed for 100 yards uh, or more in a game this year. One, one of your co-hosts, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Phillips, said that he's in the top 11 in runs of 10-plus yards or more tied with James Conner and Alvin Kamara, all while he's uh, going to have his lowest carry total since 2017. Where he was suspended for six games that year. What could Ellie and Tony Pollard uh, do against the Steelers defense while coming off their worst performance against the run in 27 years, which is uh, still a
0: notoriously uh, tough defense. Yeah. I think they, they have to find a way to move like they did against Philadelphia really because Philly, was the first game that you found a bit of a rhythm with the interior of your offensive line. You got a rookie at center and Tyler Biotis who came in and has filled in quite nicely for Joe Looney, who was hurt earlier in the season. Zach Martin was back from his concussion. He missed the game and now he's back at right guard. Connor Williams was your only starter for a little bit that uh, really had some success. And I think if you can run behind those three guys, then all of a sudden you've got to, you've got a, a really, really nice uh, rhythm from an offensive line standpoint to block for Ezekiel Elliott. And you mentioned the struggles that he's had. He's only had two 100-yard games in his last 16. So basically in a season worth of action, he's had two 100-yard games on the ground. And he still gets his fill in the passing game out of the backfield, not as much lately following the injuries to Prescott and to Dalton. But this is somebody that you have to get the ball – into his hands and you have to see him find a bit of a rhythm he's still a good running back he's still a good tailback and for the money they're paying him he needs to step up and he needs to to find a way to make impacts uh where he didn't necessarily make impacts at any point this season and i think overall you're going to see them early on trying to get him rolling and when they went away from it against philly they may stick with it this week against pittsburgh has he cleaned up the fumbling issues that he had early, earlier in the year at all he didn't fumble last week which uh. is nice but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's well, let's take it one week at a time i guess before we say he's cleaned it all up but uh i mean it it, it all kind of came to a forefront in that that washington game where he just could not hold on to the ball of course arizona as well was in the middle of that mix and i i think you look at it from the standpoint of he's never had that fumbling issue. Hopefully he goes back to the confident runner that he was previously. He was on the injury report today, but I think you look at it uh, from a week to week standpoint with Zeke is hold onto the football, do your job, run well and hard, but but make sure you don't turn that thing over.
2: And we mentioned a little bit earlier with the talks about the double reverse, but, does Dallas have any other plans to put the ball in their receivers' hands? I mean, they have a ton of talented guys. I mean, I love Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb wearing the infamous number 88. Uh, you know, Dalton Schultz replacing Jason Witten and uh, Michael Gallup, who was a, a little bit in trade talks, I heard. And, and of course, Zeke, as you mentioned, in the receiving games. Uh, what are the Cowboys going to do? Because especially with Zeke, running backs – Against the Steelers, they haven't been able to run the ball, but well, except mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins last week. But they've <laughs> really been successful, at least, or found some success in the receiving game.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I think you look at this Pet- Pittsburgh defense, and I think the thing that worries people the most is Dupree and Watt coming up off the edges against these tackles. I mean, you look at Cam Irving, who has really kind of been, uh, I mean, mediocre from a left tackle perspective. He was better than. Uh, then maybe what we've seen from Terrence Steele on the right side, but an undrafted free agent out of Texas Tech and Steele has just not lived up to the, to the billing at the moment. So I think you're worried about the pressure off the edge, so you need to find a way to get it into your playmaker's hands early. And I think that gives the Pittsburgh secondary a vast advantage, the fact that you won't see necessarily C.D. Lamb running underneath routes in the slant. That's where he's dangerous. You won't see Michael Gallup running the verticals downfield. That's where he is best utilized. And then Amari Cooper is all over the field, and he's going to get his uh, his fill. This was the first game really that he had kind of disappeared uh, from a, a receiver standpoint against Philadelphia because I just don't think Ben DiNucci gave him the ball in, in ways to be successful. And I think that's why another reason they're making the change in order to, to put Cooper Rush – and or G- Garrett Gilbert back there is the fact that maybe they give a better opportunity to get the receivers of football than Ben DiNucci did. Ben DiNucci was a better runner. This is a guy during his time at James Madison and even at Pitt going back to his first in in the collegiate game as, as a guy who could run the football and who would utilize his legs to find a rhythm. Well, he didn't do that a ton during Philadelphia or during the Philadelphia game, but he also didn't find a rhythm throwing it either. And so I think, they're going to try and get it into the hands of their playmakers and allow them to make plays underneath that secondary and before the pass rush can make an impact. And, you know,
1: just a few years ago there, the Cowboys had one of the top offensive lines in the league. And uh, this year they've given up uh, the fifth most sacks in the league and they have, uh, what 24 allowed, and uh, the Steelers lead the NFL in sacks with 30. Um, how do you think the Cowboys can uh, solve
0: the Steelers' pass rush? Um, pray pray get on your knees and pray a little bit because that might be the only way is a miracle from god coming down to save this offensive line against this defensive front because like you said this goes from one of the top offensive lines in not only football but maybe ever i mean you you talk about just the the unit up front of of travis frederick doug free zach martin Lyle collins tyron smith and four of those five guys are not available. And one of them has missed time this year with concussions. And so you, you replace all those guys and it's not a, a, a permanent thing. Of course, Zach Martin is there. You've got Tyler Biotis. who's playing better at center. Like I mentioned earlier. And then Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith should hopefully be back next week or next year rather. But this week in the, the matchup that you've got, I don't know how you're going to stop TJ. Watt. you're going to have, To to find tight ends, they're going to chip effectively. You're going to have to pick up the blitz out of the backfield, and whether that's Watt getting picked up by Pollard, which hasn't necessarily gone well, or picked up by Zeke, who's been blown up on occasion a couple times this year uh, trying to pick up blocks, but has ultimately done a good job in that regard. They're going to have to be creative in how to slow down this pass rush and that's kind of what i was talking about earlier is you 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 take the two and a half seconds that you would normally have as a quarterback to throw the football in a pocket and shrink that down to about a second and a half and that's about the time that you're going to have to make a play as a quarterback behind this offensive line and maybe even slower than that whenever you have some of those guys barreling down on you like pittsburgh will bring to the table
1: and and just from like an organizational uh standpoint like the cowboys they always want to have like you know because you know when they were good in the nineties, they had, you know, a great offensive line, like, you know, big, powerful offensive line. Is that something like Jerry Jones, like, you know, wants to bring back because they had it just a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They want to build the offensive line first and then find those guys around them. And I think they felt really good about this offensive line going into this season, Connor Williams going into his third year. And then you had Martin back yet Collins back who came off of a career year last year. And then Martin, even though he's getting up into his thirties, uh, he's still a guy that you could rely on out out at the left tackle spot, but the injuries hit him hard in that spot more than any other place. And I think that's really where this team has struggled. That's why Zeke hasn't run the ball as effectively is because he's not uh, getting the holes that he once had previously. He's not seeing linemen get to the second level as quickly as they had prior. And I think whenever you look at Dak Prescott, he hit a lot of those issues early on. And the fact that he is as good as he is, kind of showed that this is a, an offensive line that needed work, but you could survive with. And then once Dak Prescott went down, it wasn't necessarily a survival thing at all. It, that was what you were playing for, was to keep your quarterback upright uh, and your tailbacks in front of the line of scrimmage. So I think overall, yeah, you want to build that offensive line. It just didn't work out in their favor this year.
2: And switching to the defense, uh, well, Dallas has the worst run defense in the NFL. They are allowing an average of 170 rushing yards per game, and they're also giving up 33.2 points per game, which is last in the league as well. What's been the issue with defense? Uh, We saw they got rid of some players last week in trading Everson Griffin to Detroit, and cutting defensive tackle Don Terry Poe. And, of course, the loss of Byron Jones last year and and also not on the defensive line, but cornerback Daryl Worley as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you could point at with the defense. First off, you've had some injuries in the secondary. I don't want to blame it on the injuries because they were bad prior to that. But Cheeto Ahuzie, who's arguably your best corner, has been out. He's hopefully back. This week, Anthony Brown missed some time. Him being back in the lineup has really helped things out. And Trayvon Diggs as a second-round rookie's been thrusted into the number one corner spot pretty early on because of his athleticism and just availability uh, and his competitive nature is kind of the reason why he's in it right now. Now, whenever you, you look at the defense, though, it does start up front. And I think the, the way that Mike Nolan in his first year kind of sold his defense was that, you were going to rely on the defensive tackles as bigger human beings to take up space and to eat up blockers. And then that allowed your linebackers to play a little bit more free. Well, that didn't happen. One, because Gerald McCoy, who was one of their signees in the offseason, got hurt in the first practice of training camp. Secondly, you had Dontari Poe, who came in as a 300-plus pound uh, defensive tackle who was 40 pounds overweight from what he needed to be from his playing surface. And so he never really found a rhythm, did not play very well, uh, did not mesh with his teammates, and just never really made any kind of impact. Uh, And Daryl Worley was one of those guys in the secondary that found a way uh, into the lineup based off of the injuries, but was pretty bad in terms of miscommunication, in terms of some of the things that he brought to the table, just didn't really work out. The way that they thought it would and so I think overall you've had a lot of hit and misses with this defense Trayvon Diggs looks like a guy who could be a star in the league later on down the road but he's still a rookie and he's learning and he's going to get beat uh, especially once or twice a game against good receivers and I think you'll see that this week either with Juju Smith-Schuster or with Chase Claypool I think one of those guys will probably get Trayvon Diggs once this week and then uh, in, the, in the second level, when you talk about the linebackers, Leighton Van Esch has battled a, a neck injury over the last uh, couple of years. And then Jalen Smith just looks lost from time to time, is really the the case with him. He has not played very well. Last year he made a Pro Bowl, but even that was kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek whenever it came to the Pro Bowl selection. So I think overall there's been a disappointing outcome put from your linebackers I think Leighton Van Esch is finding a rhythm had a really good play against Philadelphia but overall just the pieces of the puzzle that you expected to fit perfectly for this defense just never really worked out yeah uh, oh uh,
2: you go, go ahead Ty. well we we've, we've always because he's on the free agency list and just so just so we get it out of the way have have the Cowboys thought about Giving a call to Earl Thomas, I mean, that was his goal at one (laughs) point. And and while Houston, I guess, is not going to touch him with a a 79-and-a-half-foot
0: pole, Mm -hmm. why not let it fly for Dallas? Yeah, I think that's kind of the the mindset of a lot of the fans is why not? I mean, look at what we've got back there right now. Xavier Woods isn't turning any heads, at least in a positive manner. And then you've had kind of a revolving door at that strong safety spot. And so why not throw – Earl Thomas back there, I think there's a lot of off-field issues that are not necessarily uh, been brought to the public just yet with, with Earl. And I think teams – there's a reason why 31 other teams have not wanted to touch him with an 80-foot pole as well. And I think it, it's, it's unfortunate because of the guy that he is. I think it's unfortunate because of the kind of player – that he is and the the kind of success that he could potentially have in a defense like this, where he would step in immediately and be the star. He would step in and be the guy that everyone turned to in order to, uh, to look at, to, to lead them to being better, just straight up better, really whenever it comes to the defensive side of the football. And I think the off the field issues have deterred not only the Cowboys, but the rest of the NFL away from Earl Thomas for now, but hopefully he gets that under control, and he's back in the NFL, and maybe with the Cowboys. You never know. Before you know it,
1: yeah. Uh, Alden Smith—he's uh, had a, a solid season this uh, year. Um, leads the team in sacks with five, and uh, Demarcus Lawrence has an 89.9 grade from PFF, which uh, ranks third among edge, rush, ed, edge rushers this year. Um, how, how have uh, Smith and Lawrence been? Uh, like, how? Oh, excuse me. Have uh, Smith and Lawrence been two of the uh, few bright spots on the defense this year?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think they they played really well. Now, DeMarcus Lawrence will get a lot more flack from Cowboys fans because of his bigger contract. But I think overall, if you turn on the film and you actually watch the tape, this is a guy who's a disruptor. He's going to come in. He leads the team in pressures. He's somebody that continues uh, to, to pester people. Quarterbacks on the opposing team. And I think he's made some of the bigger impact plays that we've seen this season. And I think he'll continue to do so. I think he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. And like you said, pro football focus agrees. Cowboys fans may not agree. He's kind of been a, an easy scapegoat for the defensive struggles. As for Alden Smith, whenever you brought him in, specifically off of the five year hiatus from football and his suspension that he had served, when you brought him in, you said any kind of production is good production. Well, he's giving you production. He had a three-sack game earlier this season. He's continued to play well. He's eating up double teams. He's trying to make things easier on the interior of that defensive line. He's not going to be a flashy player, I don't think, like he was in San Francisco. He's not going to put up just... Uh, incredible numbers but he's putting up good numbers and the fact that he's come in and played admirably since really getting put into the starting lineup and thrown into the NFL again for the first time in five years he has absolutely been a bright spot and there's a reason the Cowboys didn't really want to listen to the trade talks with Alden Smith. So apparently Seattle had made a call for Smith and they rejected that and said, no, we're, we like our value with Alden Smith. And we want him to be a part of this defense moving forward. So I would expect to see 58 back on the Cowboys next season.
2: And the, the Cowboys rank eighth in passing yards allowed at 214 yards per game. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and of course, you talked about Claypool, but there's also a bunch of other guys, Deontay Johnson, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Smith-Schuster, even James Washington, Ray-Ray McLeod, and that's before you get to the tight ends. I,
1: I was well, about to
0: say, those tight ends scare me, man. Well, Eric, Eric Ebron scares me. Well, what do you guys, like, what do you think the matchups
2: will be? I, I mean, that's always the $700 million question against the Steelers. It's just, who's going to step up and who's going to be the guys that cover them?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. And that's the thing is we've kind of seen it both ways. I mean, last week we expected to see Trayvon Diggs go against Fulgham from uh, from Philly. And he instead went on the other side and went up against Rager for a good amount of snaps. And I think we'll probably see Diggs on Schuster. I think it would probably be the matchup there. Maybe we would see Anthony Brown on... On uh, Claypool, I don't know. Claypool might be a better matchup for Digs uh, based on the size comparison. But either way, it's going to be tough to, to stop these guys. I mean, the linebackers I mentioned, kind of their their at least disappointing output this season. I would say that the majority of the disappointment has come in coverage. So whenever Eric Ebron comes out and shows his athleticism and his route running abilities, I think the Cowboys are going to get caught off guard quite a bit. And I think that's something that. They're looking at in tight this week. I think Jalen Smith's going to have to have his best game in terms of coverage. And and overall, they had their best game as a secondary against Philadelphia. But also, that was just against a really, really bad Philly team. So, I think overall, you're going to see a couple different looks. I'm not exactly sure who's going to be on who uh, because it may not be the same every, every drive or every snap. It may switch up. Some guys may travel. Some guys may not. Just kind of depending on the success that they have.
1: So, so, Kyle, uh, what's your biggest concern for this game, and and who do you think
0: will have a, a big game for Dallas? Biggest concern concern is absolutely the pass rush. How are you going to slow down Dupree? How are you going to slow down Watt? How are you going to slow down this front seven? And with a banged up offensive line, there's still a lot to be desired. Now, you had a. a at least a little bit of a better game, but still not enough to, to have a rookie quarterback find success against Philly. I think this defensive line is going to have a heyday whenever it comes to, to pressuring the quarterback and potentially with the sack numbers as well. It's going to be tough to slow them down. And so that's my number one thing. In terms of a big game, I, I'm inclined to say Zeke because I'm, I'm hoping – that he finds a, a bit of a rhythm for the Cowboys, but I just don't see that happening uh, a ton. I kind of want to go back to Trayvon Diggs though, the rookie. He had two interceptions last week, kind of got his feet wet in terms of making the plays that he's been intended to make uh, all year. He tracked down a couple of balls. I think he may take advantage of, uh, of a, uh, maybe a, an arid throw pass from Ben Roethlisberger and, Maybe he has a big day, but on the offensive side, I'd probably say Zeke. On the defensive side, I'd say Diggs, but I'm not very sure about either one of those guys.
2: And, well, the last time the Cowboys faced the Steelers, it was that absolute thriller in Heinz Field. Mm-hmm. This time, the the venue goes to Jerry World, and uh, we're, we're interested. We understand that as we record, this is Wednesday, and guys typically have their pre- – their uh, predictions on thursday or friday but we're curious to what you think will happen in this game who wins
0: so straight up prediction you need a score from me as well yeah gosh um well steelers are gonna win uh that would be my prediction is the steelers are gonna win i think the cowboys find the end zone at least once Which is hopeful at this point. The the fact that their their offense has struggled so much, I think they do find the the end zone once somehow. Maybe it's a defensive touchdown. Maybe it's an offensive one. I don't know. Uh, I'll say thirty eight to ten final score. Steelers with the win. That may change from here on out, but that just kind of shows the the kind of season it's been for the Cowboys and uh at least the pessimism from even a huge cowboys fan growing up. I grew up in the area and I, I I never really picked the Cowboys to get blown out. But this is a really, really good Steelers team. I think maybe my midseason pick to go to a Super Bowl and win it. And I just don't see the Cowboys competing right now.
2: Chris, you got anything else to add?
0: Um
1: just just uh you know this is going to be an interesting matchup. You know, maybe not, you know, the game uh, as far as the teams and everything, but it's just great fan bases, you know, two, probably the two biggest fan bases in, in the country because, you know, they have a history from the seventies and that's when the NFL really started to get big. But, uh, you know, just, you know, working for the Cowboys, like, do you guys get fans from coming all over the country and, and probably the world too, just uh, watch games there in, in Arlington?
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, even with, the disappointment that the Cowboys have had in the two and six start these are the best fans in the world and the reason why is because they are so passionate and specifically for somebody that grew up a fan and works for the team and is still a fan like I want the Cowboys to do well but of course I've got to take kind of the media side of it a little bit as well Um, I want them to do well and and I still cheer for them to a certain extent but uh, now I see exactly the passion that that others have for this team, and I, I respect it so much, I really do. And I think it's the same thing for the Steelers. One of my best friends is a Steelers fan. Of course, uh, I went to the University of North Texas. For those who are Steelers fans out there, we gave you the big name of Mean Joe Green, so I got to throw that name in there as well. And so I, I have a ton of Steelers fans around us uh for, that have come down maybe for the oil industry and the steel industry cars and stuff that have kind of moved their way down to dallas but i think both of these fan bases are in good hands whenever it comes into the future because the passion is there sure the success is there as well i mean these are the only two teams uh that have met in the super bowl three times and they're also the two winningest teams in the super bowl era uh, at the moment. And so I think sure the fans are always going to be there, but the passion is what always impresses me. Uh, and it's, it's definitely a worldwide thing, much like the Pittsburgh side of things. And quickly,
2: we've been asking this to a lot of, uh, team reporters, just how has COVID affected
0: you? Yeah, it's, it's different. It's, it's interesting because we don't have the access that we would normally have Uh, In a normal NFL season, of course, with the uh, with the star. I don't know if you guys have heard as much about the star, but it's a it's a fantastic facility. It was built just recently and they they basically have it to where the players and the employees on a normal basis intertwine. I mean, they eat in the same spot. Uh, They they are available to work out in different spots. and, And it's kind of a cool environment to where you're in lunch with your your coworkers and you've got players bef- in front of you and behind you coaches kind of talking with you and stuff like that. It's really a, a, a fun thing. You don't get that now though. I mean, they've basically cut the facility in half to where if you're tier one or tier two NFL employee, then you are in that side of the building. And if you're not, then you're only allowed in a certain side of the building. And I'm one of the very few that's, that's lucky enough to where I've gotten to watch practices I've gotten to be in the building every day. I'm there on game days to host the pre- and post-game shows. And so in terms of me specifically, it's affected me in the access that we have, but it's also, uh, it's also given me uh, a chance or it's, it's still allowed me the chance to cover the team close to what I would normally, but just with a little bit more distance and, and definitely some masks involved. And that's Kyle
2: Yeomans, on-air host with the Dallas Cowboys. Kyle, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Good luck this week. And that was Kyle Yeomans, on-air host for the Dallas Cowboys. Be sure to follow him at Kyle Yeomans on Twitter. And Chris, it's now time for our predictions. And in a nice twist of fate, I actually predicted the winner,
1: and I was also pretty close to the score, unlike you yeah last week I, I got i got it wrong uh I, I probably read too much into the ravens uh their record coming off the bye which you know initially it helped them it looked like you know obviously in that first first half but uh you know the second half the steelers got things together and you know came back and won the game but uh what would i have it last week i had 26 20 uh ravens winning uh but the, you know obviously the score ended up being 28 24 steelers this week uh, i'm going you know the steelers winning big here, uh, probably i'm going to say 31 to 10 you know like we mentioned before the, the point spreads uh you know 14 points in favor of the steelers and you know the cowboys you know you're not sure who their quarterback's going to be but it's going to be either uh cooper rush or garrett gilbert you know you know guys that have not played much in the league and you know you know what, what are they going to give for dallas's offenses you know probably not much you, you would assume
2: and Chris failed to mention that I was the one that actually got the score correct. And just so the folks at home know, it was 31-24 Steelers. I was just three points off. And to make sure that Chris feels good about his pick this week, I will not be making a prediction. So we're interested to see who are your big-time players for this week.
1: Um, I'm going to go with, with uh, the pass rush, but probably like you know, more specifically, definitely. Uh, you know, T.J. Watt, again, I feel like I pick the same players every week. Uh, you know, I have to do a defense and offense one, so I'm going to go uh, T.J. Watt on the defense because he's just been uh, a monster, like, every game this season. Same thing with Stephon it. Just that entire Steelers front is the best in the league, and they're going up against a weak offensive line there that they have in Dallas, and, you know, they're going up against, you know, you know like we mentioned, but, you know, who knows, Gilbert or, or Rush, you know, guys that you never heard of, really, you know, most average football fans and everything. So I think if you, if you just beat up on that on that uh, inexperienced quarterback and you know for, force turnovers, shut down Zeke and everything, uh, you know the Steelers should win big here. And then, and then as far as on on, on the uh, offensive side, I, I think uh, James Connor is gonna have a big game. You know Dallas defense is just horrendous. You know they're they're last in the league against the run, last uh, in in points allowed per game. So I, I could see uh, Connor just running all over Dallas. Uh, even the receivers will probably have a big game, so I'm, I'm just going all all in on the Steelers this week. I think it just it should be a blowout, you know. Hopefully, I don't jinx it because you know how Steelers uh, sometimes you know in the past play down to their competition and you know make it a close game and everything.
2: Well, you should go all in, non-believer. But I will say this: I do agree with you uh, choosing James Conner, and that's also my pick on offense. He has gotten into the end zone, but he hasn't gotten over that 100-yard threshold. I think he gets that in a big way against Dallas. I'm going to say probably 125 yards for James Conner and a touchdown.
1: That would be great to see uh, Conner go over
2: 100. And on defense, I'm actually going to go with something that's going to be completely a wild card for most Steelers fans. I'm going to say Terrell Edmonds. I think he's one. due for a game that people finally go okay. We can stop talking bad about this man. So yeah,
1: throw Edmonds against the Dallas Cowboys. I could see the Steelers defense having like five sacks, and you know, maybe, you know, three interceptions, and maybe like a a sack fumble or or quarter the quarterback fumbling or something like that happen. I just. uh You know, maybe you can see maybe Minka having a big game as well just going up against inexperienced, uh, whoever they have playing uh, at their quarterback.
2: Should be another exciting Sunday of Steelers football. 425 on CBS. Tony Romo's back in Dallas. So, Steeler fans, if you're upset about that, come on. I mean... It's Tony Romo. He's predicting the plays out there. Come on. It's fun to watch the X's and O's out there. But anyway, again, it should be another exciting weekend of football. And that's all for us here. For Chris Ward, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com and like us on Facebook. Our podcasts are available on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?